God is good. Good to see you all this morning in the house of the Lord. We've had a great time in the Lord this morning already. I felt the Lord's presence in here. Uh, if there are children's church, you can go now. You can follow um, Miss Garlock, it looks like, today. Well, um, good morning. I don't know if I've said that yet. Uh, it's great to be in God's house with you. We are starting this Sunday a sermon series through the book of James. Um, if you have a Bible, hopefully you do. James is going to be found in the New Testament. Um, and I just want to tell you a little bit about James before we get going. Um, James reads kind of like a Proverbs in the New Testament. It's kind of a lot of, tells us how to live our life. Um, a couple things to know about James. It is believed that the, the writer of the book of James was the son of Mary and Joseph. Yes, that Mary and Joseph. The Mary and Joseph who were the earthly father and biological and earthly mother of Jesus. So James grew up with Jesus. So he gives us a lot of practical um, instruction for how to live. And I believe that he does this because he had firsthand knowledge of what a believer should look like. How a believer should eat supper with his family. How a believer should play Legos. How a... Um, Believers should argue over who gets to take the car on Friday night. They didn't have a car, the mule. James, James saw firsthand the way Jesus lived his life. And so he gives us firsthand knowledge of what, um, what that should look like. He grew up in the same house as Jesus. Um, don't you better get tired of hearing the miraculous birth stories? Like, tell us again, Jesus, what happened? You were born. Oh, well, a star appeared. Um, angels appeared. They were singing. Wise men came and brought gifts. Hey, James, what happened when you were born? Um, Mom almost died. You know, <laughs> that was it. That's all James could say. James, no doubt, probably got tired of, you know what it's like to grow up with gifted siblings. I mean, my sisters, my poor sisters had to grow up. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. My sisters could both sing really good, and they were always real good at singing. People were always asking me, can you sing? Like, no, I can't. Oh, you should try to sing. Try to sing. I bet you can. No, it didn't go well. So James had to grow up like this. Uh, Galatians 1.19, Paul tells us that after Jesus um, was raised from the dead, or no, I'm sorry, Paul talks about, well, he does tell us that, and that's in, that's in a different chapter, but Galatians 1.19 Paul says, I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. So Paul here is talking about how he went to Jerusalem and had a meeting um, with James. But John tells us in John 7, 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. James did not believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. Can you imagine having a sibling grow up and tell you they were the son of God? I mean, that probably would be... And the type of sibling who, you know, 
even at age of 12, he was astounding religious leaders and lawyers. And, and you know, I just can imagine that uh, James also had another brother, brother <laughs> named Judas. Man, it feels like I got my mouth full of Captain Crunch or something. I can't talk. James and Jesus had another brother named Judas, and he wrote the book of Jude. Um, so I'm telling you all this just to give you a little background on James before we actually get into the actual message. Um, James, at one point, Jesus' family at one point thought that he had lost his mind. Um, Mark 3.21 says, When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. No doubt this was James and uh, the rest of his family coming to get him. It probably wasn't his, um, his mother, um, but it might have been. Well, no, we know in another place that his mom did come. Thank you, Pastor Walker, for the cool, refreshing beverage. Well, so James had a unique perspective of all the gospel writers, or I'm sorry, of all the New Testament writers, James has a unique perspective on the life of Jesus and what the life of a believer should look like, right? He got to see firsthand. I would have loved to have been there. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall, Jesus and James growing up. Um, but it wasn't until after the Jesus was raised from the dead that James became a believer. Paul tells us, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 15, that, that Jesus appeared to James specifically. Um, I would have liked to have been there at that encounter. I wish, that, I wish we had that recorded, but we don't. But I said all that to say that James comes, comes at us with a unique perspective and a unique, um, you know, not to be redundant, a unique perspective on the life of Jesus and, the, and what we should live out. So if you have your Bibles, turn to James 1, 19 through 20. We're, so the next six weeks, we're going to take different aspects that James gives us. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about your mouth. The tongue. We're going to read in James 3 here in a minute that he's going to tell us that the tongue is like a fire that will set the world on fire. Okay. James 1, 19 through 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must. Must. This is not a suggestion coming from Brother James, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I'm reading that really slow. I want you to get it. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you um, for your people. Lord, I pray in these next few moments as we look into um, what James has to tell us, God, that we can try to fashion our lives and, and, and mold them after your life and try to become more like you. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. James is not laying out suggestions here. 
He says, you must. If you want to bring about the righteousness that God desires in your life, then you must do these things. Not sometimes, not occasionally, not when I feel like it. I feel like listening today. I feel like being slow to respond. I feel like not getting angry. I'm in a good mood. I don't feel like getting angry today. It's not an option for a believer. Because we talk about all the time, and, and Pastor Walker referenced it, if you believe in Jesus, you can have everlasting life. Well, belief is not just mentally saying, oh, yeah, Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, now I'm going to go back to being angry and cussing people out all the time and doing what I want. Oh, yeah, I still believe Jesus is the Son of God, but I got this taken care of. No, belief is an allegiance to Jesus and the way that he lived and an allegiance to live your life that way. Yeah, we're going to fail. Yes, I've failed through 30, 40 times today already. But I try, I persevere, I try to do this. <clears throat> Be quick to listen. We're going we're to break these three down, I think. We're going to try to. Be quick to listen or to hear. This is harder than it sounds. Being quick to listen to someone. It's harder than it sounds. It takes humility and it takes respect for the opinions of others. Oh. Sometimes we just think we know everything. And we think that we have the best solutions. And if only people would listen to us, and as soon as they start to talk, I'm going to go ahead and shut them down and tell them the way that it should be. Then they'll begin to see things my way, and I will get my will accomplished. That's how we live our lives, right? I mean, I could give you example after example in my own life, but if I had just been a little bit quicker to listen, things would have been better. It takes humility. It takes giving preference to the other person. It takes not being arrogant. People who, you ever been around people who just, you try to tell them something, assume, but they, they won't let you stop talking before they interrupt. I mean, I, that's how I am sometimes. I, I hate it that I'm that way. I'm working on it. But what is it, what is, what is, they're not saying this with their words, but with their actions, they're saying, I don't value what you have to say because what I have to say is more important. We have to be careful in how we talk to people. And we have to be careful to listen to people. Listening gives, is being humble and giving preference. If anybody could have been arrogant, it was Jesus. If anybody could have said, this is how we're doing things, fellas, it was Jesus. But Jesus humbled himself he washed his disciples' feet. He gave them preference over him, his own self, over his own needs. He gave us preference over his own needs. He took the beating. He bore the cross. He took the sin, took the shame. He gave us preference over him. And that's what he asks of us. If you are to be a follower of Jesus, you're to give preference to other people. Oh. And that's hard to do. But that's what we're called to do. <clears throat> Let me ask you a couple questions. Let's see if you're this type of person. Are you the type of person that people are able to disagree with without you losing your mind? 
Do you listen to them when they do? Do you listen to understand where they are coming from? Are you a teachable person? Or do you have it all figured out? I mean, is it quiet in here? Or is it just you guys? <laughs> I'm kidding. Real questions that we have to ask ourselves. Here's some reasons why we won't listen. Number one is pride. We, we addressed that a little bit. We already know the best way. We know what will work. We have the best solutions. We have the best answers. Arrogance is not a good quality, but it's something that most of us struggle with, if we're honest. Pride, that's, that's, that's number one reason why we won't listen, why we refuse to listen. Another reason is insecurity. We think, that we think every person who disagrees with us is personally attacking us, right? You ever been around those type of people? You're watching a football game. They see the players huddling. They think they're talking about them. Some people are that insecure. What are they talking about? He came out of that huddle and looked right at me. We laugh because that's an extreme example. But you ever seen two people at the mall and you're like, oh, they're talking about me. People talk about you a lot less than you think. <laughs> That's one reason why we struggle to listen, because we're insecure. We think as soon as somebody starts to say something that differs from our righteous opinion then it's a personal attack. And so we shut them down and we won't listen. James is giving us a valuable lesson, not just for being a Christian, but for being a good human being, for living a good life. Be quick to listen to others. It's hard to do. It's hard to train yourself to do. But it's vital for good communication. Another reason we refuse to listen is impatience. We're impatient with people. We don't want to take the time to listen to them. This is my daughter Ellie in here. Ellie sometimes will start telling a story, and I'm like, get to the meat of it. <laughs> Just get to it. I'm like, I'll listen. I'm, in, I'm here to listen, but I want you to get to the point. Because her whole point will be something that happened at the mall. But her setup is like, do you remember a couple weeks ago when you guys were here, and, I, and they were there, and Hannah to take miles to work, so then her and I stopped at the mall on the way home. And by the time she gets to the story she's about to tell, I'm ready to steer into oncoming traffic. We're impatient. We are impatient sometimes, right? That's what I need to work on. I work with her sometimes, like, hey, here's a shortcut. You know, here, you can take this shortcut here. Just say, the other day. <laughs> I'll give you that extreme example, because we're impatient when we're talking to people, right? We're extremely impatient. We, we're prideful, we're insecure, and we're impatient. We struggle with those things. And so we shut people down, and we won't let them talk to us, or we'll not listen to what they're trying to say. If we would take this way of listening into our conversations, it would help us. It would help us greatly. It would relieve a lot of stress from our own lives if we would become someone who listens to others. The next thing is slow to speak. 
And as hard as it is to listen to people, it's even harder to be slow to speak. When we are slow to speak, we give the Holy Spirit time to illuminate our minds and give us wisdom and grace. And let me add to, to be slow to speak. Let me add just a little bit to Brother James. We should be slow to tweet. We should, we should, we should, we should be slow to share on Facebook. We should be slow to text. We should be slow to Snapchat. We are in such a hurry to get our mind out there, to get what our opinion is out there. You know, in 2014, the average adult texted, I don't even know if that's how you say that, text 32 times a day, 2014. Now, 93 times a day. And I know some of you are saying, oh, I don't text that often. Well, these younger people are making up for it. <laughs> They're bringing your average up. And we just fire off texts. And it's fine if you fire off texts like, what's for dinner? Or what do you want to do about supper? Or stuff like that without giving a lot of thought to it. But don't be giving life advice or having arguments over text messaging. When you send something out, it's forever there. People can print that off. They can screenshot your text, go to Walgreens and print it within an hour. And have it at your workplace or wherever. You can put something on Facebook and it can turn into, it can go viral and turn into a nightmare. Be slow when you give responses about important stuff. Now, I'm not telling you when you go to the drive-thru at Wendy's and they ask you for your order. You sit there, I'm going to sit here just a minute. Pastor said to give space for the Holy Spirit to illuminate my mind. Now you're just being ridiculous. That's not what I'm saying. Besides, you know you want the spicy chicken anyway. But when it comes to important things, take your time. Be slow to speak. Be slow. We could save ourselves and our neighbors so much grief if we would slow down, pray, and take our time to respond. Never send hateful letters, texts, emails. Does anybody send letters anymore? Not too many people. <laughs> you got that box of 50 envelopes. That'll last you the rest of your life. Emails, Facebook messages, I already mentioned that. They'll never go away. And you know what's easier to say hateful things to people when you're not face-to-face -face with them? It's easier to shoot off a text to somebody in a fit of rage, knowing that you're not going to have to see their, their face or their response. It's easier to say hateful things. Uh, Proverbs 18.13 says, He that giveth an answer before he heareth, it is folly and shame to him. See, that ties them both together. We've got we to gotta listen. We've got to be quick to hear and then be slow to give our answer. When we start giving an answer before we hear what's really going on, it's folly and shame unto us. Being slow, slow to, James says, be slow to speak. Slow is another way of saying you're using caution, right? You're being cautious. What does yellow light mean? Slow down. <laughs> Caution. Proceed with caution. Uh, 
We're to, we're to be cautious with our words. Proverbs also tells us that life and the power of life and death is in the tongue. We are to be cautious with our mouths. We're to be cautious with what we say to people. And, you know, you think about power of life and death being in the tongue. Think about how you would handle a firearm. I don't know if there's anybody here that owns a firearm. Uh, I don't own any firearms, but you'd be cautious with that, right? Why? Because there's power of death in that. <laughs> could kill somebody with that if you're not careful. That's why you use caution. That's why there's classes on safety and all that stuff. Well, the same is true about your mouth. You've got to be cautious with your mouth. James 3. Uh, let's go ahead and read James 3, 1, 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. There's something scary. If you ever want to get up and talk in church, I would suggest you read that a couple times over, pray about it, and think about what it really means. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits, or we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. Strong language. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is, restless, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Yikes. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig leaf bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? Frigs. Just making up words as I go. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Your tongue can be like a fire that will set forests on fire. I've got a picture of a forest fire. Susie, would you show Put that up there. Your tongue can do that in people's lives. Your mouth can do that. Oh, I just can't control my tongue. Oh, the Bible has examples of people who can't control what they say. They're demon-possessed. They're the only ones in all of Scripture who can't control what comes out of their mouth. They need the demon cast out of them. So if you can't control what comes out of your mouth at the end of the service, come forward. Pastor Walker will cast the demon out of you. You can control what comes out of your mouth. You're just too stubborn, too arrogant to even try. And furthermore, too unchristian. 
You can control what comes out of your mouth. Why would He tell us to control it if we couldn't? I didn't know everybody's going to be mad at me. <laughs> what comes out of your mouth, you can burn your family down. You can burn your house down. You can burn your workplace to the ground. Stop starting fires with your mouth and then wonder why it's so hot. Why is it so hot around here? Why, are they, why is everybody on me all the time? Why is this? Why is that? Why is this? Your mouth. You're starting fires that can't be put out. I'm trying not to make eye contact with anybody so nobody will think I'm talking to them. I need a mirror up here is what I need. What you say to people, what you say about people matters. What you say about your kids and what you say to your kids matters. What you say about your spouse and to your spouse matters. What you say about your uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, friend, whatever matters. Your words are burning the world around you down. Stop it. If you ever say anything to someone, you'll never amount to anything. Don't. Or if you've heard those words, you know how damaging they can be. If you've heard the words, I wish you were never born, you know how damaging they can be. Please don't ever say anything like that to your children. Don't ever tell anyone they're ugly or that you don't love them or that... Don't. You're committing murder with your mouth. You remember the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's hogwash. <laughs> words do hurt. Words do cut deep. And they take longer to heal than being punched. Right? I sprained my ankle not too long ago, and it's already healed up fine. I still remember when somebody told me I had, my earlobes were too big. I still remember those words. And now I'm self-conscious about every time I take a selfie. I'm covering it. I'm not really. <laughs> words matter. Your words matter. That's why the Bible talks about it like this. It's so important because I like what, um, oh, the guy last week, crazy. Barry Young, thank you. He said, you can't have a negative mouth and a positive life. And that goes along with, with this. Stop committing murder with your mouth to those around you. Stop setting the world on fire. Man, why did I have to do this, this message? This is a rough one. Okay, let's take it a step further. Some of, some, of, some of us would never say those things that I just said to people that we love and we care about. But we'd say them about other people. Or you might not ever say those things, but you might tell a racist joke. You might say something like, we don't want any of those people over here. Or you might be talking about certain members of society and call them white trash. We need to think about the words that we say. Because there is power in our tongue. The power of life and death is in the tongue.
That's pretty important. Life and death, those are pretty important things. Okay, so James says there, with the same mouth, we praise the Creator. Lord, I love you. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to curse people out at Walmart. That's what we do. We come in here and we praise the Lord with our mouth. And then we go out of here and we, would you look at them? Would you look at that for crying out loud? Look at them. Why would you come out of the house wearing that? What in the world? Are those pajamas? We're guilty. We're all guilty of it. We praise God with our mouth and then we can't wait to cut people down. Oh man, something I struggle with when I see random people I don't know and I see them acting foolishly. It's just something I struggle with. I need to be slow to speak. (laughs) <laughs> your pastor's being open to you this morning. I need to be slower to speak. I need to be quicker to listen and slower to speak. <clears throat> okay. If you can get your tongue under control, James says, then you can control the rest of your body. And I already mentioned this. People say, I just can't control what I say sometimes, just who I am. And then I know... I've got in my notes, says, no, it's not who you are. It's just you're undisciplined, arrogant, and lazy. You're in control of what you say. (laughs) I already mentioned this. And if you can't get control of it, you need to get the demon cast out of you. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you're having trouble controlling your mouth, you got some heart issues too that you need to work on. Because... Our mouth will say what's in here. That's why in another place, Jesus said, says to the Pharisees, it's not what goes in the body that defiles it, but it's what comes out of the body that defiles it. And he's talking about what comes out of your mouth that will defile the body. What you say matters. What I say matters. It is time for us to get control of our tongue James talks, James talks about the tongue being fire. The only other uh, time in Scripture we see tongues of fire is on the day of Pentecost. And that came, that's a refining fire. That builds up. The tongues of fire on that day lifted people up. These, this fire burns things down. So if you say, well, I just had to give them peace of my mind, or I just had to tell them what they were doing was wrong. Did it build up? Or did it tear down? Okay. The last one is to be slow or cautious. Oh, I had some other pictures I was going to show of how the Bible says. I'll show them just for fun. Uh, we can tame any animals. There's a, we've got, we can tame an orca. Uh, we can tame, train a monkey to ride a bike. Uh, lions to sit there. And we can train a bear to put on a tutu and ride a bike. But I can't control what comes out of my mouth. Now, oh, yeah, here's another picture. I talked about, it talked about the rudder uh, moves the whole ship. See how small the rudder is up there in comparison to the ship? Oh, there's another one. Man, I sent you a lot of pictures, didn't I, Susie? <laughs> Poor Susie. Middle of the night, I'm like, <laughs> sending her pictures. Okay. 
James 3. That's all in James 3. Be slow to get angry. Is the final thing we're going to talk about. Be slow to get angry. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Have you ever known somebody who's not happy unless they're mad? I have, you know. They're not happy unless they got somebody to be mad at. They always got somebody that they're mad at. There's all these people that they've written off. Oh, I don't speak to them anymore. I don't, what about them? Well, no, I don't talk to them either. Maybe the problem's not them so much as the problem is you. If you're the type of person that there are people that you can't speak to or won't speak to, I'm here to tell you that it's not all on them. You have a responsibility in that. And that's not the type of person that we're called to be. We're to be slow to get angry. Jesus does say, be angry and sin not. So it's possible to be angry and not sin. It's possible to get mad at my children and not sin. It's possible to get mad at the guy who cuts me off in traffic. It's possible to be mad at, you know, whatever you're, wherever you work. It's possible to get mad in those situations and not sin. It is possible. The story doesn't always have to end with, I got mad and then I gave him a piece of my mind. It can be, I got mad and then I prayed and then I thought and then I responded. Proverbs says a soft word turns away wrath. A soft word, a soft response. Just because somebody comes at you with their fire doesn't mean you have to fight fire with fire. <clears throat> Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. But that's what we like to do. We like to play off each other's anger, right? You ever been in an argument with somebody? Everybody's acting like, no, they haven't. What do you do? Like you try to top them, right? They tell you you're stupid. You're like, well, you're stupid and something, right? Then you start making stuff up, you know, because you're out of material. Never works with, with me and my wife. Well, number one, we don't fight like that. But she's so perfect, too. What can I say? I mean, I just started making stuff up. Like, you have bad taste in men. <laughs> Poor judgment when it comes to picking a husband. That's about the only thing I can say to her. <laughs> oh. We don't have to get mad so easily. Be slow to get upset. That's not, that's not the world that we live in. Everybody is offended at everything. No matter what. If, if more people watch this sermon that was being broadcast today, you know, if everybody in the world watched it, we'd, we'd have picketers out here tomorrow about something. Someone to be offended about something. I guarantee it. We'd have people out here picketing. Like he talked about people who wear pajamas to Walmart. That's, they'd be out there in the pajamas. Picket signs. This is my country. I'll wear what I want. This is a free... But we all get offended. People get so mad. That's the culture that we live in. We live in this culture that is running a million miles an hour, and then everybody's getting so offended and so upset about everything. The Bible tells us to slow down and to step back. 
And that's what James is trying to tell us here. Slow down. Step back. And then respond. I can tell you in the short time that I've been uh, lead pastor of this church, there have been three or four different instances where something has come up and I got angry about it. Somebody said something, somebody did something, and my first response was, I'm going to call them, and we're going to have a conversation. It's going to be hard, and it's, you know, I'm going to have to use my spiritual authority. (laughs) But then I waited, and then I prayed, and I let God give me wisdom, and let God, because when we react immediately, the first thing that comes to our mind, it does not produce the righteousness God desires. I just read that to you. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When you respond in a way that you think is best, you think you're doing it the right way, it won't turn out good. Until you pray. Until you seek God. Because when you come guns blazing, oh, they better not have said that about so-and-so, or they better not have done that, you're just going to burn the whole place down. If I had responded to those three or four things that have come up that were pretty big deals so far, if I had responded with fire, I might have burnt the whole place down. Not literally. Don't go call the fire marshal and say, pastor's threatening to burn the church down. But how we respond with our anger, how we deal with our own anger is important, and it matters. And we need to step back and not react. What, what we're trained to do is just react. Oh, you, you cut me off, I honk my horn. Right? Cause and effect. You make me mad, I tell you off. You do this, I do that. You tag me in a post on Facebook, say something bad about me. Oh, you just wait. The fury and the fire is coming. I'm going to tag all of our friends. I'm going to tag everybody we know. I'm going to tag your mom, your dad. And then I'm going to put some screenshots on there. Everybody's guilty, so nobody's even laughing at that. But it's not, That's not how a Christian responds. And I'm spending all this time talking about the poor ways that people act to let us know that that is not how Christians act. That is not the life that Jesus has called us to. Well, you don't know how Jesus would respond to a... Somebody shaming them on Facebook. Well, I know how he responded to somebody spitting in his face. And I know how he responded to them putting a thorn of uh, a crown of thorns on his head. And I know how he responded to them beating him with a whip. And how he responded to them nailing him to a cross and stabbing him in the side as his blood and water flowed out of his body and his life was was escaping his body. You know how he responded? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. But we think that we can respond by giving our two cents. Guess what? The world doesn't need your two cents. If you never get your opinion shared, the world will be okay. I just got to say how I feel. That's just the way I am. I just got to let them know. No, you don't. You really don't. You really, really don't. They'll be all right. The world will be all right. You need to step back and pray. 
And when you get angry, and it's going to happen, you're going to get angry. Some of you are angry with me right now. You think I'm talking to you because you're insecure, like I talked about earlier. <laughs> now you're mad, even madder at me. <laughs> when you get angry, breathe. James doesn't say that, breathe, but he says be slow, relax, be calm, take your time, be cautious with that anger. Be cautious with that anger because that could produce some bad stuff that you don't want. It can bring about things that you don't want or need. When you get angry, and you will, let's face it, you're going to get angry. Be cautious with that anger. Be aware of it, too. I mean, have a little bit of self-awareness to know, oh, wait a minute, I might be acting out of anger here. Part of being a Christian is is becoming self-aware and not just being so egocentric that you don't get it, what's going on. I mean, grow up a little bit. Man, this is a harsh message. Why am I being so mean today? What if we take these three principles, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. What if we take these three principles, what if we take them home with us? What if when we're at home, we use these? What if when we're with our friends, we use these? What if with our spouse, we use these? What if at our church, we implement these? That we're going to be quick to listen to other people. We're going to be slow to speak. That's hard for me. I love the sound. My grandmother used to tell me I love the sound of my own voice. She'd make me write, I will not talk to my neighbor over and over What if we take these principles, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. What if we take them outside the church? What if we take them to our political conversations? What if we're quick to listen there? Oh, no, you don't understand. What if when our brothers and sisters of color tell us about their struggles, what if we're quick to listen there instead of being dismissive? What if when we hear words like, boy, boy, we're, we're going to be coming at, at us now. What if when we hear words like white privilege, we actually listen before we dismiss it? What if when we hear the stories of families fleeing violence in Venezuela to come to the United States by any means possible, what if we listen to those mothers and fathers before we speak? What if when you go to your brother or sister in Christ with a problem, what if we listen without judgment? What if we listen to each other? What if we begin to hear each other? I mean, really hear each other. I mean, really hear and try to understand where the other one's coming from. What if we start to do that? Then we'll be the body of Christ. James says, you must do these things. You've got to. If you want to live this life that Jesus laid out before us, then I have got to be the kind of person that is so humble 
but I will listen to you. Listen to your perspective. Listen to your story. And then I will not be quick to give my response. I won't be quick with my judgment. And then if something makes me angry, I'll be cautious with that anger. I won't hurl around fireballs at everybody. You ever seen the movie Gladiator where they're launching these big fireballs at the, I don't even know what they were. But that's what our tongue is like sometimes. We're like, another city burnt down because of the venom that I spew. He calls, he calls what comes out of our mouth venom. What if we start to do this, church? River Church, what if we take James' advice and we are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry? And, and enter, uh, the same word as slow there is cautious. Be cautious when we speak. Be cautious when we're angry. What if we start to do that? I think we can change the world. I think you can start here. I think we can. Twelve disciples turned the world upside down, lit it, lit it on fire for God. What if the River Church, what if the people that are within the sound of my voice this morning really take these three principles? If we're quick to listen, if we're slow to speak, and we're slow to be angry, what if we really apply that to our lives? We will see a difference in our lives. Let's all bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would...